Hi, I'm Corey Litzenberger from CGLTax.ca, and this is Brainstorming Plus Tax. Well, the federal election is over, and I can now go back to sharing my opinions with sponsored messaging and not violate Elections Canada laws. In this episode of Brainstorming Plus Tax, we are going to talk about Alberta's post-election 2019 budget that was finally released. And while there is a lot of focus in the media about spending reductions, the commentary will be focused on the taxation matters in this budget. So first off, we'll talk a little bit about the measure that was previously announced that is now in this budget, which is what they called the Job Creation Tax Cut, which is to bring the tax rate for general corporations from 12% down to 8% by January 1st of 2022. Now, this rate on July 1st, 2019 was dropped to 11%, and this will continue to slowly be dropped. Now, while I applaud the step back towards a lower corporate rate, is my personal opinion that a 10% rate would have been sufficient if they would have cut it immediately rather than to do a slow implementation over a longer period of time. And the reason I say this, the delay and differential in timing may result in timing differences between capital investment and actual job creation. For example, a large corporation would be best suited to invest in capital equipment and technology while I can have a large capital cost allowance, also known as depreciation write-off, I can have that claim impacting a higher income tax rate in the earlier periods rather than for myself to invest in job creation. This means I may buy assets for my large corporation but might delay ramping up activity that may create profit with that equipment until a later date. I hope I am proven wrong. Now, removal of tax credits for corporations. I, for the most part, I am in favor of simplifying of our tax system. As a result, I applaud the removal of potpourri tax credits. While as little as 10 years ago, I would have been a big supporter of scientific research and experimental development tax credits. The reality of this program in a modern technology age is that the cost of administration of such a program in the age of internet and social media information sharing is not needed as much. The truth is, many tried to go through this program only to be rejected by the CRA, and so this move will help simplify the tax system and put the risk back on the person that is taking the experiment or the research to that next level and plans on monetizing it through our patency and copyright programs. Under the Alberta Child and Family Benefit, this makes sense. This is just like the federal harmonization of the Canada Child Tax Benefit, the National Child Benefit Supplement, and the Universal Child Care Benefit. It just makes more sense to have it as one umbrella program that deals with one set of letters going out. And this just makes much more sense to have it as one program than to have several in order to simplify the overall process and cause less confusion in the marketplace. Now, the pausing of indexation on personal tax brackets. Well, most people will not like this. I do understand the reasoning for it. The reality is, is that it'll only cost the vast majority of Albertans $38.74 in lost tax savings next year. This is calculated as our basic personal amount being 19369 the amount you can earn in Alberta tax-free, notwithstanding the fact you get to pay our friends the CPP and the federal government. Now, you multiply that number by 2% of a projected inflation rate and a 10% tax rate for individuals with income under $131,220, and you come up with that $38.74 of Alberta tax that you will not be able to save next year from indexation. Now, the loss of tuition education credits, this is likely going to be the one that upsets people the most. While you won't lose credits you've earned prior to 2020, any future tuition costs will not go against your tax filings. The main reason for this, in my opinion, is to assist the simplification of our income tax system. Now, currently, if you've attended school in one province, then moved to another after you've convocated, 
Your provincial tuition credits available for carry forward would have to be recalculated manually by the CRA. The other side of this equation was that many tuition credits themselves are not restricted to schools inside the province. Therefore, an Alberta resident student could actually go attend UBC, for example, and transfer the credits to his or her Alberta resident parents. Now, while the Alberta taxpayers do not see the economic kickback of the result of the tuition being spent, they will also not see the benefit of the education of the student unless that student moves back to Alberta after the completion of their degree. As such, it means that we would be subsidizing students attending other provinces, spending money in the other provinces' economy, and possibly staying put there after the fact while we taxpayers in Alberta are subsidizing that in a form of another transfer payment. So it just makes more sense for the provincial tax system to either look at not having a provincial tuition tax credit at all and focusing rather to put that money towards the Alberta resident colleges and universities directly, even though I know that politically this is not going to be a welcome move. Now, getting into taxation on tobacco, everybody kind of skims over this one. It appears the government is following methods of old rather than implementing methods of new when it comes to taxation of products that can have a negative impact on one's health. While I understand a 10% tax increase in tobacco products is to help deter and reduce the negative health consequences of smoking that has an impact on our healthcare system, the government here in Alberta have missed an opportunity to force taxation into similar methods like vaping. The inhaling water vapor is similar to slowly drowning, and we are starting to see the cases of these in hospitals and on news health reports, of the impact of the constant external concentrated moisture in lungs, and it is only a matter of time before this too puts a strain on our healthcare system. So while many jurisdictions in Canada regulate the laws of smoking and vaping in public, etc., the tax laws are not the same. There is a difficulty in taxing items used in vaping under current laws because there are no tobacco products in them. This is an area that needs to be explored, in my opinion. Now, when we look at education property tax, while there is no increase in the education property tax, it is my opinion the Alberta government needs to look at an alternative method for taxation for education. Property taxes in general are a regressive form of taxation that commonly result in penalizing small businesses, seniors, and the elderly the most. Property taxes go up in relation to the value of an asset that you have no control over and cannot access the equity in to pay them. And having a small business have this increase borne onto them while they are already in a recessionary position it does not seem to make a lot of sense. Now, having a senior on fixed income pay education property tax on their original home that has gone up in value only because of inflation seems counterproductive. I would like the province to seek an alternate source of taxation for education rather than property tax. I would also like the province to prevent schools, school boards, and school divisions from spending money on advertisements for children to attend their school. This is something that is prevalent front and center in Red Deer, and this is something that is at the crux of frustration for me when it comes to improper use of taxpayer money. This is a waste of taxpayer dollars that should be going directly to the front lines for supplies, teachers, and education assistance to help the children, to help the students, not to be used to tell them why they should come to this school over that school when they are all part of the public fund. Personal income tax and sales taxes, this was an area that was not really mentioned in the budget, and this is an area I think that needs to be addressed for the long-term success of our province. Now, currently... Alberta collects zero income tax from the fly-in, fly-out workers. The business located in Alberta gets a deduction for the wages they pay, but the wages are taxed in the province of residence of the employee. 
This results in a tax reduction in Alberta and a tax recovery in another province. To me, this is just another form of unofficial transfer payment to the other provinces. Personally, I believe that Alberta should be looking at a personal tax rate reduction on the first $45,000 of income to 8%, while implementing a 5% HST, not PST, more on that in a minute. Now, before you all start sending me nasty emails and tweets, this income tax rate reduction would result in income tax savings of up to $500 for every individual Albertan, or $1,000 per couple. However, this would be offset by paying taxes on roughly 10000 of GST-HST taxable consumption, 20000 per couple. Know that there is no tax on residential rent, medical services, mortgage payments, interest, bank charges, or basic groceries. Lower income levels currently receive a GST rebate, and this would now be increased based on the fact that there would now be an HST as well. So for most lower income households and for most lower income individuals, there would see no actual out-of-pocket tax differential. Going back to my original argument, at least if there was an HST, we would be now able to recover some of the tax on wages of the fly-in, fly-out workers or the visitors to our province. Another reason to reduce the lower personal tax rate to 8% while implementing a 5% HST is that this would be close to revenue neutral based on current income tax to spending ratios by most Albertans. However, this shift in taxation theory would then result in consumption taxes being paid by visitors to our province that are putting strains on our infrastructure needs. A lower tax bracket with an introduction of consumption taxes with a rebate offset for lower income individuals will allow us to start taxing visitors and temporary workers more rather than those that live here. Lastly, the reason for an HST versus a PST is that it is a much simpler administrative system of a value-added taxation model for small businesses that allows for a flow-through of that credit and taxing the end consumer responsible for the consumption rather than the provider of the good or service themselves. PST, on the other hand, puts that burden directly onto the small business owners as well as the consumers, and that can push small businesses out of the market. And with that, for CGL Strategic Business and Tax Advisors, I'm Corey Litzenberger. Thanks for listening.